Okay, how's it going? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Mondays, am I right? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh wait, it's not Monday. So I've got a question that that you're the perfect person to have answer. What exactly is policy? Uh. Maybe you're not the perfect person. Well, it's not law, right? So it's like it's like it feels like one of those things that's just in the air. You've heard the word. People talk about policies when they're running for president or office or whatever and it's like i always kind of lumped it in with laws but it's not laws it's just like decision it seems like well here's here's my stupid idea of what it is mm -hmm. it's like decisions that elected officials or or maybe not elected officials make that will affect people's lives but nobody gets to vote on it yeah they almost vote on they they, they vote on it by voting on the people that are supposed to do do the, so I, I think you're right. Like, I think their policy has to have a component of rule making and or program development that uh, that impacts people. So sometimes I think about it like um, just rules and like it could be the policy in this house that you, you know, you take your shoes off at the door uh, or. Uh, but I think when people are talking about it generally, it's like what you said, like it could be a, it could be anything a lot from a. Um, a proposal to make a law, the law passing, it could be a regulation, which is like, um, you know, a law is passed and then there's an agency that has to provide more detail on the implementation of the law. So they'll promulgate regulations, which would be policy making. Um, a lot of people will say budget is policy, mm -hmm. you know, where, where you're spending your money is policy. But I think also like under, I think your, your implementation of, of law is also policy. So I could, you know, we could have a law that's in place and just not enforce it. That would be a policy decision at the agency level. So I think policy sits at like different, all these different levels in the, in the rulemaking game, mm. but it feels like it doesn't mean anything unless there's a body of people that are actually like, uh, involved in, in a, uh, in activities, a program to either enforce or deliver on, on the policy. So like, okay, we're going to have a policy that you can't use the word gay in Florida or whatever just happened in, in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you could call that a, I mean, it's definitely a law, whatever it was. Um, and I guess it's their policy, but if nobody was to do anything about it, it almost doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, so in your description, I'm feeling why I, I'm, I'm, reading like why i'm confused about what it is it feels like a giant gray area because they're so it, it sounds like from what you're saying like they're super intertwined with laws so like what's a what's a like a what's a i don't know i'm trying to think of something that that's like the like rhode island department of health or something like mm -hmm. do they create policies yeah so they uh, they're um so good examples like all throughout the pandemic uh there was a body of individuals, like a panel of people that would get in a room and review uh, policy recommendations for how to limit the spread of the disease. Policy. Okay, pause, pause there because like it's already like overwhelming. So who who are these people? Are they elected officials? Or are they just like state employees or city employees or? Yeah, they're um, consultants. There, it's uh, all all of the above. So, but mm -hmm. the, the it starts with. And somebody has to identify an issue and somebody has to gen generally a policy will start with there is an issue, there is a problem, there is an issue and there is a solution. Like, I don't think you have much policy discussion without, you know, there's a problem that we're trying to solve. And then here are the recommended 
options for the just to solve it. So where and not to keep interrupting, but yeah, no, please do interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Where okay, who raises the problem? Is it just public opinion or like if you take away something obvious like like the pandemic and it's something like teen smoking or something. Mm -hmm. And and somebody is like, we need to do something about this teen smoking. Is this like, you know, moms against teen smoking or is it a, like a state level lobbyist or is it uh, somebody who stands to benefit from smoking? You know, like like somebody sells uh, what are those stupid electric things people suck on <laughs> the no, vaping vaping. Right. Is it like vaping people who are like, no, cigarettes need to be illegal or or, or discouraged or something like who? Who raises the issue? Who says like, "Hey, this is a problem"? They can come from issues can be raised from all over the place. So you're going to find very little satisfaction in this conversation, I think. <laughs> I, but no, I, I I think you will. But I think it really can come from anywhere. Like it it's at the end of at the end of it, it m most of what happens in state government or and I assume federal government. I've never worked for the federal government, but it's political. So you could have a um, a kid come in as a neophyte and inspire everybody around uh, a, a problem. I'm not thinking of a very good example right now. Like that diabetes, like, like, uh, you know, type one diabetes in kids or something. And, and uh, a lack of, I don't know, there's some in the schools, there's some kind of stigma or they're not supported well in the schools or something like that. And so some kid becomes the face of, this maybe a local movement and and right like but what okay but people gripe about stuff all the time it's not automatically going to turn into policy so at some point it needs to have some kind of critical mass i would imagine for someone who is in a position to do something about it to actually do something about it right that's right so they but you initially said where where does the and i think one of the things that will ground this mm. is there is a problem and and something has to change and therefore and, and a policy and the implementation of that policy will be the the continuum uh, of uh, that will happen and so if you take problem statement comes from mm -hmm. a person yep. somewhere mm -hmm. and then recommendations to presumably like you said somebody that can do something about it and then implementation that i would take that as a, a decent kind of framework for how the life cycle of a, of a policy. Mm -hmm. So if, if I, if you take like a, a mayor's office, like mayor, mayor in Providence, yeah. you could say that, um, you know, there was concern about, um, let me think of, of one that's decent there. That was there. Um, data has revealed that the rate of underaged access to tobacco has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. And, Pediatricians are complaining about uh, issues in uh, the, in uh, their patients mm. related to tobacco products, mm. and murmur, 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 <laughs> issues, issues, issues. <laughs> Something must uh, be done, you know. And and um, somebody tells the mayor about it, okay, and okay. the mayor is concerned about it. And then the mayor is uh, the mayor wants to deliver for people. Uh, is this a big deal? Is this something that it, policy uh, staff? please take a look at this. And right. what you, what you do at that point is you, you'd want to get an understanding of, um, you know, what exactly is the problem? Okay. So we, what we're seeing is kids are showing up in, in, uh, blah, blah, blah. So you can do a really good job 
with that analysis, you can do a really light job in that analysis. And you can do stuff that will really make the mayor look good with a constituency um, and make it a big announcement to say, we're going to shut down um, tobacco sales in Providence. Mm-hmm. And that would be a policy declaration that doesn't have any any implementation around it yet. And then you'd say, well, what do we need to do if, to effectuate that? Well, we're going to need to pass an ordinance. So now we What's need that? to get... Is that a law? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, a municipal... Uh, a municipal law. Interesting. Okay, so so this is good. So and what it sounds like what you're saying is policy and laws are flipped from the way I imagine them. So policy, I felt like policy was like laws that the king can just, you know, like declare, but it's kind of like the reverse. It's like a policy and then there might be all sorts of things including laws or ordinances that need to be created to implement the policy. Is that Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's actually like, bigger. It's like broader. Policy's it it is. So people often talk about issues in like uh, in large categories and then they have strategies. So they'll if if like public health is a great example, because you may need laws that you need changed. You may need um, you, you may need uh, ordinances at the local level change. You need federal law change. You may need federal funding approved, state funding approved. You may need um, nonprofits to start programs. Or to reach out to people to affect change, you may need um, your law enforcement yeah. to shift their attention from. It's not like they're sitting around looking for new things to do. So you may need law enforcement <laughs> to to be able to to engage to to yeah. Um, yeah. E- execute on. So there's a there's like the idea of a problem, and then there's all these different components that would have to change, and then all of the follow up to deliver on on what the policy goal. Mm. So, like, take climate. Maybe climate change would be another good example. Holy shit! The um, the temperatures are rising in a way that is going to threaten life on the planet. So you could you could say that it's the policy of this administration to curb that, mm-hmm. and that's not particularly actionable. But it does give direction yeah. to all of the agencies right. underneath. So it's kind of like a commander's intent. hundred percent. Yeah, you read my mind. That's exactly what I would call it. And so it's the policy of this administration writ large yeah. that we we are going to, if you're a director of any of the 12 cabinets, the cabinet, mm-hmm. any of the agencies, mm-hmm. you know, under my direction, mm-hmm. if I find out that anything that you're doing is an aim towards, you know, addressing this, you're going to be in trouble with me. And so that that's another example of, of policy. But- mm-hmm as they turn that commander's intent into something that's would, would actually do something. Yeah. Right. Cause otherwise mm-hmm. he's just taught he or she is just talking. Right. Then now you've got your div- div- division of environmental management saying, I'm now empowered by this governor to do X, Y, and Z. And you've got your state police troop, you know, all of them are now empowered to look for changes that they can implement uh, it, towards that commander's intent. So what, okay, so let's pause there too because that's interesting, and I, that makes perfect sense. And flipping it as, to a higher order thing, and the law is just a piece of an implementation of an overall policy, makes makes way more sense. So I think you, that's what you were getting at with the king thing. Like the king says, you know, no more shit in the streets. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's great, one. but who? So who? Now what? Right. Well, what it's there. Um, 
what do we do about it and how do we stop people from putting it there you know so yeah um so you that's where the policy gets more 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 actionable okay this is super weird but i'm curious about the motivations at the various levels if if you can even speak to it so like so like okay president says no more poop in the streets no more dog poop in the streets or whatever it's like okay uh, now the 12 cabinet members are directly accountable to the boss, their boss, their direct report that, you know, and he's going to have oversight onto them. But then as it trickles away and it gets more and more diffused throughout, you know, d- down to the municipal level where someone needs to pick up the poop or stop people from letting their dogs poop in other people's yards or whatever. Where does the motivation come from? Like what's in it for the Providence chief of police is he just avoiding getting his ass chewed out I doubt it there's got to be some kind of incentive for the local police chief let's just say the local police chief you know people believe the local police chief could have some positive impact on the overall policy why would he or she do it like what are they risking uh, if they don't so this was the crux of a case study at the Kennedy school uh, at that sleepaway camp that I went to for uh, three weeks (laughs) yeah they and it was like the the case study was you're a cabinet member, um, you're pre- the president that you work for uh, wants you to do X, Y, and Z, and you think it's amoral. Yep. Um, uh, uh, the in in the case, if I remember it right, it was defunding a program. Yep. And it, it so let, let like me step back for a second before okay. before I go there. Generally speaking, with this stuff, there's something that I'm sure there's a lot of different names for it, but it's it's I've, I hear people talking about it as a, a power wheel. Mm. So when when you're doing anything, you have stakeholders around you. You need to be thoughtful about how what you're doing impacts all of those stakeholders. Your boss is one of your stakeholders, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of like like seeing it that way is kind of a flip of perspective. Where you know, from a military perspective, chain of command is everything you do um, mm. as you are told, no questions asked. But well, yeah, but there it works because the punishment is super clear. Like, you right. know, you know what you're risking if you disobey. It's right. And it's in a severe punishment. But that's not true. And like, a, right. So keep going. Yeah, it's not right. True so you can be fired by your boss. You can be, you know, dismissed. You could be sanctioned. You could be any of a number of things. You could just be like so at odds that it's just an untenable workplace. You can lose confidence in your boss. Your boss can lose confidence in you. Mm. Uh, and you can continue to putter along or you can say like this isn't a match for any number of reasons but generally speaking like people are going to want to do even just i've never been in the military but like people want to do they want to acknowledge that their boss has the right to set direction and they Mm -hmm. want to deliver on it um as best they can uh with limits you know so in this case study it was you know the 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 director was asked to do something so the director goes to the uh, to the Congress and starts engendering support with the Congress for an all, for all. so like and finds a political way to create pressure uh, on, oh, on the okay. so, so it's their so the job. thought was like the thought mm-hmm. was like the the tweak to the students in this case study was everyone's like yeah I want to do what my boss says you know and, and it's the president telling me what to do but then they're basically saying like you're an, you're a moral actor in the world. And you have all these levers at your disposal, not the least of which is your boss and the people that you report to that report to you. Mm-hmm. But there are other stakeholders that are in play. Right. So it kind of you. It sounded like you were about to go. Answer, I, I think you did answer my question, which is 
as the as the policy sort of uh, propagates through the through the network is what I want to say. It's like propagating yeah. through the network of people who you know. It's like the rolling downhill from the president all the way down to like the local dog catcher in Providence. The person above them needs to find there needs to be some motivation created. And if it's not a they're like the the to the to the next person, like the person that they want to do the next thing. Uh, so like it, and it might not be that they are your employee. You know, it might be that it's Congress and you need to like convince them that something's in it for them if they do this, you know, which is almost like the entire plot of that, you know, like every like every, you know, House of Cards or whatever, or like West Wing. It's like, how do we get support for this? And it's like, we, it, it seems, I mean, it's just TV, but it seems like, it's like, well, they're not going to, they don't care that what, you know, especially if they're maybe on the other side of the aisle and like Joe Biden wants to like stop dog poop, um, you know, the war on dog poop and, and they don't care. It's not like a clear, it's not like a global warming thing or like something where, you know, there's like a, you know, I don't know, invading a country or something. They just don't care one way or the other about it, but they'll pretend they do in order to, you know, get something in return. So it feels like it, it feels like it's the responsibility of the next person in the food chain to look at who their stakeholders are and see who the next person is who needs to do something and just figure out how to motivate them to do it. Yeah. I, it's not I like agree they're with gonna, that. Right. About- it's not like you can just pay, say, Hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you do this. And then the next person's like, Oh, I've got a million dollars. I'm going to give these nine people a hundred thousand and keep a hundred thousand for myself. It's not like this money is just flowing downhill, creating a motivation. There needs to be other kinds of clever. It seems, it seems like there needs to be clever ways to motivate people. And that's kind of the responsibility at every, at every level, as it goes down to the the person who's going to bend over and pick up the poop. I agree. And there, there are some policies that are like impossible to implement and some that are you know easier and, it's um can you think of an example of an impossible one well i i think we're seeing it with climate change where there seem to be no shortage of of uh solutions on the table but you can't get the consensus to implement on on healthcare is another one where you can't get to consensus on it so i don't know how many people are super psyched about their healthcare, like across the board and we're certainly getting or outcomes as a country relative to the developed world. You know, we've, we've infant mortality. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on where like, do you care about metrics? Like not you, but like, does one care about metrics? Like to, would you like to have the best healthcare system in the world? Cause what you have is the most expensive one. And mm. you have, you know, since Obamacare, you have better access to coverage, but now you still have, you still have some access issues. You have cost issues, and you have quality issues. Mm. So, like, there are there's no shortage of solutions, but it's how to get the the like you said, all the people along the continuum to ha- make the agreements that are needed to affect those those changes. Mm. It's funny. Okay, so like, because I imagined. Well, I guess the question is, do are laws created in absence of policy? Like is a, no. is a law ever, yeah okay that, so it's flipped it is flipped like you it's always just a an implementation of a piece of they're policy. always aiming at something like there's I I could imagine a law being I shouldn't say that so I could imagine a law being passed uh, as a technical correction to something mm-hmm. but I think in I it's hard I would love for you know um, 
to to look into this a little bit more. But I think every law is a means to an end, mm-hmm. and the end is the policy goal. Yeah, it's where because the policy is where the problem lives. So yeah, so the policy is the result of the problem. Studying right. the problem and then deciding, okay, we're going to be we're going to be against this. How severely are we going to be against it? Yeah, and the implementation could be a million things. It could be like setting up. Um, I don't know, allocating funds or setting up charities or not char- government instead of charities, but what's it called? Uh, make grants available and all, all sorts of things. It might not even necessarily be laws. Yeah, it like, might it might not be laws at all. So like my first experience in in a in the full spectrum of uh, of a policy implementation, like from gleam in the eye to its failure was <laughs> um an effort around um, affordable health insurance for small employers in Rhode Island. So employers with 50 or fewer employees. Mm. And it involved uh, a law. It involved like a lot of networking and stakeholder development. It involved coordination. What's that stakeholder development? Is that just making, trying to make people care or making them aware of it or. Yeah, that's right. Trying, trying to make it work. So like, um, I, Again, thinking about that power wheel. So, like uh, insurance brokers, I just got to think of who are all the people that give a uh, care about this thing. So, you got your health insurance brokers, your uh, health insurance providers, Blue Cross and United, and mm. to a lesser extent, it wasn't at the time, but neighborhood health care. Yeah. And you've got um, small employers, right? And you've got small employer groups. You've got you know end users and you know, the the employees themselves mm-hmm. um you've got the politicians that represent these groups you've got the agencies that are impacted so at the time it was the health insurance commissioner's office and the De- De- department of business regulation and everyone agreed that like there was a problem with affordable health insurance for small employers what people did not agree on was the solution that mm-hmm. our office put forward which was to write a law that would dictate characteristics of a health uh, of health insurance that would have to be offered in the small group market so if you are going to be in rhode island selling insurance to the small group market you will have to comply with this law and offer a product we were mandating that they have a widget on the shelf that they wouldn't have otherwise had Mm, okay so that's interesting and so i'm going yeah just real real quick because this gets to the private part like so for this to work they have to put that product on their shelf. And for this to work, the the group that was uh, brokers were responsible for like nine whatever, 90% of sales to small employers. So if the broker if the if the carriers don't if the insurance companies don't do it and the brokers don't do their part, it'll never get to the employers and it'll never begin to work. Right. So but if there's a yeah. so but you would seem like a law would change the playing field in a way that would cause them to be like well i'd rather create the widget and then the broker is like well i'd rather make the widget available than pay fines or face penalties of some kind i mean because a new law changes the rules of the game you know and they're like and of course they're not gonna presumably not gonna want that otherwise they would have created it already like if they thought it was a good idea they would have done it already that's right so yeah, and the so theory, they definitely don't think it's a good idea for them. They didn't. They didn't. They did not like it. Yeah. At all. The mm-hmm. the the um the brokers the brokers I I think the brokers and the insurers would have done anything they could to sink it. Be, they did everything they could to stop the law from being passed. Number one. Mm-hmm. 
to the point where I had, I had very uh, memorable shouting matches in the state house, getting yelled <laughs> at by lobbyists from health insurance carriers. <laughs> they were not happy. And part of it was like, in principle, if this happens, this is the government now telling us how to market plans, how to develop health plan. Like it was like, this is not, yeah, it's a slippery slope fallacy though. It's like, right. Yeah. But they don't, so, but they don't care. They're going to throw everything at it to make it not, but it did pass. It did pass. And they said, we are already doing this. This is not needed. And we said, well, it's not, it's not expensive enough. And they said, well, we have less expensive plans. And we said, well, those plans are really crap coverage. So you have to meet this criteria of coverage. And they said, well, right. that criteria of coverage can't be offered at a low price. And we said, well, it has to be. Yeah, and they out. said, well, how do you want us to do that? And we said, well, we want you to make less money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me spell it <laughs> spell out for it out. you. Yeah. Like, we, so it was that sort of thing. So ultimately, like you're talking about a policy here. So there was a problem. We didn't have good, uh, we had all kinds of issues with small employers having access to affordable coverage. You could have multiple strategies for dealing with it. One of them was to try and get a, a different product on the market that was less expensive, mm -hmm. but also good coverage. We passed a law for it and we got involved in like, like the marketing. We got involved in the selling. We got involved in Ooh, the design. That does, sound, that does sound scary. It was rough. And, and the whole time it was just being submarine. You know, yeah, they yeah. were like, let me just pat you on the head, little guy, you know, and we're just going to trash this thing while you're not looking. And the take up was terrible. Um, so wait a so, second. So where, where, so, you know, if you, if, I mean, where does the support for like the product design and the marketing and all that come from? Like that must've been budgeted for, like the state must've paid for that or the city. Essentially, I don't remember it exactly what, what, what the deal was, but it, there were criteria in the law that required sign off from the office of the health insurance commissioner on their marketing material mm -hmm. uh, out of fear that they wouldn't market it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that the state staff were designing the plan. It wasn't that okay. the state staff, but it was that, that we were actively saying yes, no, that sort of thing. And they were right. really like, we know how to sell this stuff. Stop it. You know, that kind of thing. But we were right. thinking, right. you don't really want to sell this. Right. <laughs> so, you don't want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's like, how do you watchdog it? Right. And when they're the expert, when they're the expert, but they're also <laughs> expert at making money. Yeah. And you know? they don't want to do it. Right. Right. So it, it was, it was a labor of love for a long time. It mm -hmm. failed. Um, part of it, the reason why it failed, you may find this interesting is that there's no way you'll find this interesting, but like there, there was a part of People it that required a, a commitment on the part of the end user around their behavior. So <laughs> that chance, right. So the, the so they carriers, had to wear a Fitbit or, and it would go back to the health insurance company. And... Right. So the, the, cause the actu actuaries don't care about anything. There's a bunch of inputs and they get outputs. Like you offer this much coverage. If this is how much the unit costs are, then this is what the coverage needs to cost. Yeah. And they don't or care. We go, or we go out of business. So right. it was, it, we were pushing the envelope saying, you know, to the actuaries, well, you know, if you get people to do X, Y, and Z, won't that have a, a benefit on the coverage? So one of the things that was most appealing to the actuaries was compliance with chronic. If you have a chronic disease like mm -hmm. diabetes yeah, 
and you're pledging to uh, comply with your doctor's program around your management of that, mm-hmm. that could have real cost savings in the in the system. So there's stuff like that. But mm-hmm. when it went out to the employers uh, and the employees, it was like, you want us to do what? You know, everybody was like, you're just supposed to cover everything. I'm not supposed to have any referrals. It's supposed to be open door to all doctors all the time. And, and I'm supposed to be able to eat Doritos and Sprite all day. Right. And so it was social engineering. It was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they pulled out all the stops. Yeah. No, I'm saying that. I mean, it was, it, this is tough oh, stuff. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's daddy, it's nanny government coming in and saying, right. you know, how you should live. That's what, um, okay. Yes, yeah. I agree. It, and I not, I'm not sure how I would, how I would react to it. You know, if, if it was like, I remember how I reacted to a seatbelt law. I mean, I, I wanted to cut it. I wanted to, you know, cut the seatbelt out of the car. I, I mean, it was like, uh, I remember when smoking was banned in restaurants in Boston mm. and I was horrified. Like, yeah, me too. You know what, you know what would work? I'll just won't go to that restaurant. How about that? Like, but now on the other side, when, so, and this is, so where does public policy come from? You have a mm. health department. Yeah. Their mandate, if you look in their statute, they have a, a commander's intent written into their um, enabling legislation. Yeah, like the, a mission the, statement. Right? Their charter is their, yeah. you know, to improve the health of Rhode Islanders. And so if you see in the reporting and the data that thousands of people are getting their heads smashed in on, in motorcycle accidents, you're going to sit there and not advocate for a helmet mandate? Hmm, what can we do about this? You know, yeah. so that's where... Where does this stuff come from? And this is also where you get accusations of government trying to um, uh, advocate for its own longevity. You know, but mm-hmm. so you you go to a surgeon, they tell you you need surgery. You go to a health department, they they social engineer. Um, yeah, you go to a government, they say you need more government. So that makes total sense. It, it reminds me. Okay, so like on this example, this might be a tangent, but on this example where you got a you got a bunch of actuaries excited, which I think probably deserves some kind of medal that they were like, oh yeah, well, if the people could, you know, if, if this particular group of people would change their behavior around chronic, uh, <laughs> chronic, <laughs> chronic disease, uh, compliance, then all of a sudden it, it gives me the idea of a different implementation of the policy. So, uh, wouldn't change their costs immediately though. So it would be less direct, but it'd be more of like a, you, you would want like, like a, a, a true marketer to come up with a campaign that would change the culture around dealing with chronic disease. So you, in other words, it'd be like a more of a, a grassroots bottom up thing where, where, you know, like you create a campaign like the American dream. It's just fake. It's like someone just made that up but it was something people could buy into and it resonated and it produced uh well you we could argue this i don't really know but i mean my impression is that it it produced a strong middle class which i think is good for the country and or good for stability anyway and and then when that sort of campaign runs its course and people start to feel like they got sold a bill of goods and it's actually bs and they're like you know it's that's more the american nightmare or whatever whatever the thing is it feels like a marketing campaign, just to use this example as a concrete instead of just in, in general terms. It's like, man, it just works with the dog poop example too, where if you don't, what you really need is a cultural change. In both yes. of those examples, what you really need is a cultural train, change. And the government's, pr- 
pro is the government really the best place for that? Maybe not. It's certainly a place that can create a cultural change. Like you just yeah. the example you just gave of smoking in restaurants. Um, Tax I, on I, cigarettes is probably the most effective thing that it has curbed smoking in Rhode Island. People say, yeah, but, but to you, I love that you brought this up. This is another thing at my sleepaway camp was the <laughs> technical solutions versus, uh, you know, complex solutions and or adaptive solutions. Mm -hmm. And like when, I was on the floor writhing and, and actually like crying out in pain in the house. Um, and, uh, and you know, Christy and the kids got a little nervous cause I was like absolutely doubled over on the ground, screaming in pain and go to the emergency wait, wait. room and okay. like what did you go have? to the emergency room and, and then it goes, pain goes away, go home, happens again. Uh, end up that they like take my, um, they find out that it's my, my gallbladder. So, they're going to take my gallbladder out, which they did. And I, even, I don't think I even heard this story. Yeah. So I, I honestly, one of the best days that I ever had. So there's like little, <laughs> your gallbladder is like this little, you know, sack that, you know, basically like spits stuff out into your digestive system to do X, Y, and Z. Delightful. And sometimes little stones get in there and it's just like, and it's, it's horrendously painful. Oh, okay. Right. Like kidney one, stone, one, but right. Yeah. One of the best moments of my life. I don't remember who it was, but I was, in a room with Christy and another woman who had had gallbladder stones. And she said it was more painful than pregnancy. And I was like, yeah, what's up? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I've got it worse. Ah, yeah. But also <laughs> when she was delivering a baby, she was breathing calmly. And I was again in the fetal yes. position on in the dark screaming. Yes. So anyway, they took the gallbladder out. And I was like, all right, so I have to eat different now, right? And they were like, no, you're good. And I was like, technical solution. <laughs> I don't need to do anything. There's no no behavioral change. Yes, technical solution. Do anything. Good to go. And uh, anyway. If it grows back, we'll have to take it out again. But you're, you're right. So, But who's right to do that stuff? I mean, um, so people say that uh, Will and Grace was one of the most powerful like uh, catalysts for normalizing homosexuality. Yeah, I'm sure that's, I, I have to imagine that's true. I can't. That's tough to legislate, but that sure was a culture change or, but then you think about like Smokey, uh, Smokey the bear, you know, only you can prevent forest fires. I feel like that's freaking totally ingrained in, in me government, you know, uh, promotion. Oh, good point. Right. Yeah. But, but it's a marketing campaign. Yeah. So, right. And that's part, so like, um, one of the things I did in Providence was, uh, there's a federal grant, I think it was called C Communities Putting Prevention to Work, and it was, it was a lot of money to the state, mm -hmm. and then the state did a bunch of things, but the state also gave a bunch of money to a, a lot of other groups, including the city. And we had to, everything had to be approved all the way up the chain, but essentially it was a slew of strategies that were intended to reduce, um, access to tobacco products so you had we we engaged uh creative so nail in providence was a part of it rdw for campaigns mm -hmm. um we engaged nonprofit groups that uh go out and do in-person meetings where you get community members together and mm -hmm. talk through issues we had uh, we passed laws in we passed two ordinances in the city council uh banning flavored tobacco products um, and then we went to the school district and we said, what changes can we make here around tobacco policy? 
you know, can we work with the unions so people have to smoke outside the buildings? You know, it was, there was a slew of strategies that hit God. a lot of the different things that you're, you're touching on. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I worked with RDW. They hired me to do, to implement a, a, an app basically on a teen smoking cessation thing. And, and like a, you know, the piece I was only really needed to know about the, the business logic of the thing. And still I was in plenty of meetings with them where it was, it was all about, I mean, they were like, you know, posters on buses or whatever the side of it's like the, the, you know, the, the camp, it was a campaign. I mean, they're an agency. It was a total campaign. Yeah. Right. Um, you'll see one of the most successful campaigns in recent history in Rhode Island was, um, probably around 2009 or 2010 or something. It was run by Clarendon group, I think, which I don't think is around anymore, but it was for, uh, question number nine on the ballot for affordable Mm -hmm. housing. Mm -hmm. And another great example of you, all of the machinations that go into getting a question on the ballot, that's going to fund something like usually large amounts of money usually something that is bond funded and uh, large projects, you know, like we're going to convert Rocky point into a, a, a state mm. park or yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is an interesting one because you've got a group of nonprofits that are the bleeding hearts on the ground, dealing with homelessness, dealing with shelters, dealing with the working poor who can't mm. stay in their properties, trying to, find a solution for this and they become an advocacy group for at the legislature and with the governor's office they go through the the steps to get people to agree to put it to the ballot and Mm -hmm. now now rhode islanders have to say yes right so now there's a campaign um or there better be (laughs) because when you get to you get to that booth and there's like all these things you're like i don't know what the hell this is like you know, you see bumper stickers like vote yes on nine. I'm like, what's nine? Yeah. Totally. You know, that's not useful. <laughs> that's like, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So policy, I think it it's it is gray area. It is. But I think at the at the end of it, it has to have a problem, a solution. And then some somebody has to do something. And and then one of the things that we didn't talk about is where policy doesn't happen, which is where the law is in place where the policy happened. I should say the law is in place. And people are there administering the status quo. And that's kind of what I think you might have been talking about before. Like, how do we get the get people to do things? And there was a guy I worked with who was really smart. I really liked working for him. Um, and he was a leader in a very big position in state government. And he would he would say, let's do this thing. And he would think everybody's saying yes, because he's in the room and they all work mm-hmm. for him. And then he'd come back two weeks later and say, hey, how'd that thing go? And they're like, well, it's not quite done yet. And then two more weeks go by and say, oh, it's not quite done yet. And, uh, and he came to, to call that kind of stuff the bureaucratic pocket veto. Because it's like, and it's people that are motivated for any number, pick your reason, that yeah, think so that this leader reasons. who has you know control of them hierarchically, yeah. um, they're going to wait him out. Yeah. No, he's this not going to be crazy. there forever. Yeah, this is crazy. Well, I'm against it for some reason. Either I just don't believe in it or I'm actually against it. And elections come in anyway. So if we just drag our feet, then maybe this problem just goes away. Yeah. Bureaucratic and maybe, pocket, and maybe you know. if we, yeah, and yeah. maybe if we drag our feet, he doesn't get reelected or she. Yeah. I mean, you name it. So all kinds of stuff like God, that. Fascinating. 
But what's really problematic about that one is like you have to um, if you think it's happening to you, it's happening to you. And <laughs> and that means you 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 have to expend so much energy managing at that point. It's very mm. challenging to overcome. Wild. Yeah. Well, you did successfully answer my question. I've flipped my I think you know what the problem is. I'll tell you a problem. The problem oh. is policy doesn't have a Saturday morning cartoon like the I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill thing. So I just assumed that laws were a bigger deal because they've got their own show. But policy is actually the the parent structure. The trouble with it is it doesn't rhyme like Bill does with so much. Yeah. That I think yeah, they, they wanted policy. to do a cartoon about policy, but it was like they really struggled with that one. Hi, I'm Holacy the Policy. <laughs> That's awful. That is yeah. bad. All right, dinner time here. But this was very helpful. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, uh, and if you wanted to just work this with Maggie and, and Cooper, uh, oh, well, what all, they always do with kids, which which you guys have the advantage of them not being in schools that grind out their souls. But, <laughs> but, but one of the things that frames it when they're trying to communicate policy to kids, they say, well, why don't, why don't you decide if there should be uniforms in school? And that would be a policy discussion, a policy debate. And how do you implement it? How do you enforce it? Oh, that's a good one. That's a great little micro example. Yeah. Yeah. Debate the pros and cons of a uniform. Well, anyway, this is fun. I can't imagine that this is, it's, I'm used to like putting people to sleep talking about work. No, no, this is actually interesting. Believe it or not. All right, man. Cool. Later.